0: Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is co host Arzu. Hello. Last week we talked about episodes 14 and 15 of Stargate SG1 Season 3 with fan favorite Foothold. And today we'll be talking about episodes 16 and 17 Ergo and 100 Days. Ergo premiered on January twenty eighth, 2000, was written by Tor Alexander Valenza and directed by Peter DeLuise. 100 Days premiered on February fourth, 2000, was written by Victoria James and Brad Wright and directed by David Worry-Smith. So er- Ergo is another one of my favorite episodes, so I'm having a good time, but
1: <laughs> we have some thoughts about the second episode.
0: <laughs> Arzu,
1: would you please summarize? Okay, very short summary. Ergo, they go to a planet that is functionally a desktop generic background, come back what feels like seconds later for them, but it's actually several hours later um, in the company of this tech Mm -hmm. that when it manifests physically, takes the form of Dom DeLuise in his Robin Hood men in tights costume. (laughs) And he's essentially curious about new experiences and he's just kind of experiencing things through them. Uh, only the only SG one can see him. It was like I don't, it was super super cute. Mm-hmm. It was a really cute episode. A hundred days it was less cute, not interesting. <laughs> they go to this other place to see the like sky fire meteor fire shower fire rain fire rain. That's what it is. Yeah, and realize that this fire rain is actually getting closer and closer to the planet, and it's gonna hit the primitive ish settlement and wipe everybody out. So they're like, everybody, go back. But because of a density of Naquita in the soil, everybody but Jack and a cluster of the settlers go back and they get stuck and they can't go through the Stargate. So Jack's there for a hundred days while they try to bring him back. And he takes up with a lady. Which you are upset about. Which I don't like. (laughs) Okay,
0: let's do our quote reveal. Last week I gave you the quote of singing
1: Row, Row, Row Your Boat. I, and, I don't know who I said, but I was right.
0: You said that it was Daniel trying to make a point and singing it to Teal'c. Okay, the context was wrong,
1: <laughs> but the person was right.
0: Well, it was a trick question because it was all four members of SG-1. So technically <laughs>
1: it was Daniel. He wasn't the one who first started singing, though. But you didn't know. No, no <laughs> you didn't specify.
0: Well, it was a trick question. I was setting you up to begin with because it was all for, you know,
1: that's rude. (laughs) I have a question about the first episode. Yeah. Have you shown me screenshots of this before? I don't know. Like in a meme or something? Because maybe there's like a table covered in like pudding and jello that looks very familiar.
0: Oh, I don't know. I
1: mean, was it maybe in one of the memes you've sent me? That's possible. I don't remember it off the top of my head. All right, fair enough. Okay, so
0: yeah, so they go to this other planet and unknowingly get little devices implanted into their brains, which just starts out as them having their senses heightened, like smell and taste. And so Jack and Daniel are enjoying uh, some chicory coffee, and then Teal chugs the entire (laughs) liter. Which is such a mood. (laughs) And and they're like, isn't that hot? And he's like, extremely. I'm like, well, you know, I feel like he can afford to drink burning
1: hot coffee because Junior will just heal his throat. That was my assumption. Mm -hmm. Because later, when Ergo is bad at impulse control and wants somebody to use the defibrillator, Mm -hmm. Teal just gets up to do it and then they stop him. Yeah. But then Ergo says something about them still having their self-control. Like, they don't have to do what he says. Yeah. So part of me was wondering if Tilk's just like, okay, fine, because he knows Junior's gonna act as that buffer. Right. Which I don't think it had occurred to anybody else, but that's what I thought was was happening.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure what Tilk was gonna try the paddles on exactly. Like, would he have done it on himself? That's I what know. I assumed.
1: Hmm.
0: yeah I don't know I mean he does operate with a certain level of thinking that he's indestructible because we've seen that in previous episodes where like Sam said that the Stargate might spark or whatever and he's like yeah yeah whatever I'm fine and then it sparks and it burns him and she's like (laughs) buddy (laughs) I told you I was gonna do that (laughs) So he seeks to kind of think that he's indestructible, which, you know, is to his detriment sometimes. Wasn't too okay. bad in this case. And I noticed that uh, there's still the picture of Sheree on Daniel's desk, probably because he forgot to move it. <laughs> and so everybody ends up in the cafeteria eating dessert, and this is the first appearance of blue jello, which kind of becomes a recurring joke. And okay. that pretty much time you see Sam eating something, it's blue jello. okay? She needs a <laughs> more balanced diet, but
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And so I actually was having a talk about this kind of thing yesterday with some people on Twitter about the things that Sam eats on the show. Mm-hmm. And talking about how with the blue jello, do we think that that was Amanda Tapping's choice? To eat the blue Jello because if they're going to have to be eating take after take after take, it's a lot easier to eat Jello. Or is it kind of like a writer's bias towards you know women shouldn't be eating something high in
1: sugar so that they don't gain weight? First of, of all, Jello is full of sugar. Yeah, so it's not that. Also, Jello being full of sugar is hard to eat a lot of. But I feel like take some, after like, take, like you there's were some non-sugar varieties. Like there's some with like fake sugar. Know, this is 2000, not 2023. Yeah. Like this was pre Stevia and mm-hmm. agave and whatever. But this like back in,
0: back in the fifties and stuff, people thought that Jello was legitimately good for you. And I feel like it hasn't been until more recently that people like, no, like gelatin, that's like not great. No, I,
1: It's not even the gelatin, it's the sugar.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, both
1: yeah I think my theory is jello is a great sci-fi food because it looks weird. Mm. So if you had asked me what my theory was that that would have been it.
0: I mean certainly choosing blue jello it stands out more visually than any Especially other color. Blue
1: jello is not super common, at least not here. It's usually yeah. green, red or orange right like or purple. like the other varieties exist, but I feel like I can't recall the last time I saw blue jello right so maybe it's just it just looks weird
0: yeah and well we were kind of talking about that like in terms of comparing that to the matter of time episode where she picks up a donut and then puts it back in the box and how like we talked about that how it seemed like a really weird thing because she needed a donut later to do a demonstration about the explosion and so it didn't make a lot of sense for her to pick up the donut, look at it with disgust, put it back, and then later need a donut that she should have just held on
1: to in the first place. And they wouldn't have even had to have shown her eating it, necessarily. I feel like the way the 2000s, like the late 90s, early 2000s, approached women and their bodies was, if we're not making it about the fact that they're not eating much, we just they just don't eat. Right. You know what I mean? It's like not a like, I think about, like, Oceans 11, 12, and 13, how Brad Pitt's character, it's like a joke that every time you see him he's eating something, mm-hmm. you would never make that joke with a woman right? back then unless she's fat and that's the joke right. that she's fat. But for guys, it was just, like, a quirk. So mm-hmm. I feel like they just wouldn't think to have her eat anyway.
0: Well, that's why I was just wondering in this scene if it's seen as like less fattening to eat jello instead of all the pie that the guys were because
1: the um, guys were consuming like multiple pieces of pie. It, yes. Okay. Like in, in general, I think like her just eating blue jello is a sci-fi thing. But in this case, yeah, it's the least fattening of the options. So that's probably why she was doing it. Or maybe Amanda Tapping just didn't want to have to eat cake, take after take.
0: Yeah, maybe she just didn't like the options. <laughs> So I was
1: wondering, like, maybe it's, like, personal choice. Like, she really just didn't want pie. Like, she's not I really know. a dessert person. I saw behind the scenes for a completely different thing. Um, for the 1995 Pride and Prejudice, where the actor who plays Mr. Bennett was saying that they were shooting a scene and he had to be eating something. And they're like, well, we'll make it fun. Like, what do you want? And he said something, like, blueberry pie with custard or whatever. Because it's his favorite dessert. He's like, by the end of the day, he's like, I never wanted to look at it again. Yep. Just from the sheer number of times. So maybe... It was the easiest option.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I mean, I was actually surprised at how much pie that the, the men ate on camera. Because normally actors will try to take small bites or just push food around so they're not like gorging themselves take after take after take. But Jack on camera ate at least two entire slices of pie. I want pie now. <laughs> so yeah, it made me wonder if he got sick of the pie eventually
1: we should ask him
0: right if we ever meet him like, about
1: the pie and he'd be like what are you talking about
0: <laughs> i don't know he might remember that could yeah. be one of those scenes that stands out like that ergo episode where i had to eat all the pie
1: depending on how sick it made him yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: well and also it depends on maybe fans if fans bring up the same kind of episodes over and over again and then he's used to talking about them this could be one of them you know yeah yeah Very true. I really thought it was funny about like watching because they each had somebody following them around to make sure they weren't going to do anything weird. And all of the faces of the airmen following them around, like watching them eat all this pie in the cafeteria, like horrified (laughs) that they're going (laughs) to town like this. And like, there's a woman who looks at the table still full of plates of food when they leave. And she's just like, I can't tell if she's horrified that they were eating
1: so much or horrified that they left a mess behind. But there's a moment when, when Sam, I think Sam is the last one to come into the commissary, right? Mm -hmm. So Sam comes into the commissary and the guys are all sitting at the table and Jack is eating what he claims to be yogurt, what everybody else claims to be pie, but what to me looks like melted chocolate ice cream. I don't know what he's actually eating. But he's eating something out of a spoon. I have never seen a man look that unhappy <laughs> at a dessert table. He just looks miserable. <laughs> so I, I'm thinking that this shot was like Richard Dean Anderson's like sixth take and he's officially over it and he doesn't want to eat anymore because he looks like he's being tortured. <laughs> and I actually thought that that was part of the plot. Oh, that they were like overtaken by some sort of like, god or demon of excess <laughs> and they're basically being forced to like gorge themselves but they're not right. enjoying it anymore. I mean, I think it, that was true a little bit because a little, but he looked he looked so sad.
0: I mean, cuz they were eating a lot more than they normally would have.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So like who knows how long it would have gone on for. Anyway, now that everybody's paused this to go get some cake. <laughs> yeah.
0: And so we finally meet Ergo, who is played by Dom DeLuise, and it's just so much fun. Like, you know, I feel like every episode with directed by Peter DeLuise, it's like something fun is going to happen. There's going to be... From
1: a family like that? 100%. <laughs> yeah. Like, we, we know what they're here for. They're here for the fun episodes. And I love it. <laughs> He's 100% wearing his men in tights costume. That's all I could think. And I googled it. It's not the same outfit. It looks like the same. <laughs> and then at one point, he's like talking about dying. And he's like, like, I'm going to be dead or something. Like he emphasizes the word dead. And I just out loud went D-E-D dead, which is a line from Men in Tights. It's his <laughs> line from Men in Tights. I'm like, I feel like you didn't finish the line.
0: Right. You <laughs> should have. Something
1: completely different. And then I started wondering if he did that intentionally, but I don't know. <laughs> Watch Men in Tights if you haven't.
0: Almost makes me wonder if he did do that in one take. And they're like, no, that's a little too far. <laughs>
1: I could have had it all. <laughs> it's my favorite Mel Brooks. I can't I can't have nice things. I don't know if I've seen it. it. I'm not sure. It's fun as a Robin Hood spoof. Okay. It's funnier if you've seen the Kevin Costner movie first. Okay. Because it's not a Robin Hood spoof, it is a spoof of that movie specifically. Okay, so I'll have to watch the Kevin Costner one first. Okay.
0: Yeah, I feel like the only version of Robin Hood I've seen was the animated
1: one. I have seen so many. <laughs> Too many, arguably. And I don't even know why. It's not like it's my favorite story.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I wasn't terribly struck by the story as a kid. Because even the animated one wasn't necessarily my favorite. I just kind of
1: wind up watching them. Anyway, this has been a very long <laughs> on Robin Hood but
0: <laughs> well so Ergo is very silly he wants to experience only fun things and so he's trying to get SG-1 to do silly stuff and he has so many good lines <laughs> like they're talking about how they're essentially been tagged like animals like how we would tag animals to observe them in the wild and mm. you know they're like we're not wild animals or Tilk says that and ergo's like speak for yourself (laughs) because teal is such a big guy (laughs) (laughs) and then like him like uh, ergo trying to be like oh you know i didn't mean to bother you or whatever and they're like he gets them all to say it's not his fault and then teal is like it was not his intention and like so just like teal having these like random liners which is really funny and um, I think when they were all singing Row, 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 Your Boat, Tealix was definitely the funniest. <laughs> because it was, like, his kind of monotone <laughs> singing. <Aww. laughs>
1: it was the most jarring.
0: Because they're so really
1: into it. <laughs> I kind of wish he, he would have just, like, made up his own melody. <laughs> right. And not like, like, monotoned the existing one. Or, like, put in, like, gold words to it instead. Or on the complete flip side, he uses the correct melody, but they're all into it this much, and he's into it like ten times more right. than are. Like, he's out here trying to win American Idol with his performance. <laughs> I, I do think it was the funniest one, so.
0: And Ergo uses Jack's kind of iconic lineup for Crying Out Loud. And yeah, so it's like it's just like line after line after line for Ergo. <laughs> It was fun. (laughs) Yeah, it was really fun. And so then we get into the whole thing of like what I was kind of referring to last time is this AI, a sentient life form. Because we were kind of talking about that last time when we had the trial triad with Spara and Chlorel. you know, talking about Chlorel being, you know, a sentient life form that deserves to live on its own kind of thing. And so this is kind of coming back up in terms of like, you know, if you need a host body in order to survive, like, do you have the right to live? Right. Kind of thing. Although in this case, it's, you know, a bit more complicated because this is an AI. So does it's this- very topical right now. Right? But well, I
1: told you, it's not the kind of AI you hate. It's, it's- Well- Okay. I feel like if studios had access to this, we'd all be in a hell of a lot more trouble. Need everybody. Anybody out there shilling for AI to remember that they're not benevolent Dom DeLuises <laughs> in reused Robin Hood costume. <laughs> they're tech run by greedy corporations looking to put artists out of work. Yep. So remember that. Thank you.
0: <laughs> right over oh, it.
1: That's my soapbox. I'm going to step down now.
0: <laughs> yeah, this one is, this is a nice AI. He's just meant to observe
1: and report back. So I did think that The question, because they're all advocating for his sentience, essentially. His Mm -hmm. right to life. And I thought, like, it got me thinking, like, you know, they're like, well, he has wants and desires and he fears his own death. I'm like, you can program that into something. Yeah,
0: their list was self-awareness, consciousness, fear of death, and ability to think independently.
1: You can program that. Like, it's not the independent thought, but the rest you can program
0: I don't know about the consciousness, though.
1: Well, how do we define consciousness?
0: Yeah. And then even with the fear of death, it's kind of like, well, how do you define death also? And, like, would an AI, like, if you told an AI that it was never going to function after today, like, would
1: it care? I don't know if it would care or if it would, like, give the appearance of caring.
0: Yeah, (laughs) there was that case several months ago where there was some AI... And the scientist was convinced that it had become real because it, it did have like a fear of death or something like that. And he ended up getting fired because they thought he was crazy.
1: (laughs) He's not so crazy now, is he?
0: Yeah. Well, I guess they were just like, well, you programmed the AI to speak that way by feeding it certain commands or like by Speaking to it in a certain way, you trained it to speak back to you in a certain way. So then it's like, how would you ever really know? Because then it's like, how do you differentiate between programming it to seem like a real, you know, being versus actually
1: being one, you know?
0: Yeah. I feel like that would be really hard to determine.
1: Probably why they don't try.
0: Yeah. Might have to one day. Yeah. I was wondering. It seems like everything that we see in the show that's like new or different has round doors. Have you noticed that? Cuz it's
1: quirky. I can't say I've noticed, but that doesn't surprise me. Cuz it because like the... then it looks jarring, right? It, and then it yeah. mentally makes you think of the Stargate.
0: Yeah. Looks like something like the Tokra tunnels are round and the doors in this place were round. I feel like we've had doors in other places that are round too. I was thinking it may not even just be a Stargate thing, but like
1: a sci fi fantasy thing like hobbit doors or circles. Maybe I feel like hobbit doors were like round to associate them with like the rolling hills and like it's softer and gentler
0: right. as
1: opposed to the aggressive England of the rest of the story, right? And then like Mordor's all jagged because it's evil. And in the south and the east, where the evil people come from, but <laughs> like with this, I just feel like it's a mental association to the Stargate. Okay, that's hey, fair. Then. That's fair. Like they will have their reasons. I just don't think it's the same reason.
0: True. True. So they eventually. Well, so Sam first tries to turn off Ergo by putting out an, What was it, an E impulse, I think it was, and it does actually turn off the devices for a few hours. But then he comes back and they decide to contact the planets that they came that they went to and find out that ergo is an error so the first time that they were gone they were gone 15 hours mm-hmm. and so they go back and the next time that they're gone it was 10 hours
1: yes and the second time they were gone is when they were advocating to ergo's creator yes tungar which is definitely one of those words they just made up. Um, <laughs> Togar, yeah, yeah, they're advocating to Togar about his humanity.
0: I did like that as soon as they saw him, Ergo was like, as handsome as he is evil, because it's literally him. It's the same <laughs> actor
1: <laughs> with his little Bluetooth headset,
0: <laughs> and then like he like tells Teal'c to give him a double Java Java kick. and tells jack that he just wants to experience the universe and eat pie and jack's like who does it it was cute
1: the whole scene
0: so they convince togar to take ergo out of their heads and put him into his own head and so they stand under these lasers which apparently takes 10 hours and i'm like So you mean to tell me the first time they were under these lasers for 15 hours and now they're under them for 10 hours and they're not like falling over in this time? I can't imagine, especially because they're like in a slightly crouched position because the device was too low for them to stand up fully underneath them. I can't imagine being in a slightly crouched position for 10 hours
1: and then be able to walk afterwards. Unless it's like 10 hours Earth time, but like a matter of seconds, their time. Do you know what I mean? Mm, that would be, I don't know about that.
0: It's like Narnia. Well, I was thinking it would have to do with like the quantum realm, basically. <laughs>
1: it's Narnia.
0: It's Wait, the MCU the quantum of just realm. just different.
1: That's all.
0: Mm,
1: yeah, but... This show doesn't stray that far from real science. Maybe they were under there for like five hours and then collapsed and had five hours for their legs to recover. And then they they went through the Stargate.
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: Who's to say they were crouching for 10 hours? They were just gone for 10 hours. Well, just because like we see them go under the lasers and come out from the lasers. But like, yeah. But it
0: could have been. Yeah. I guess. I just I just always have questions about these things. So I'm like I, my legs would collapse. I wouldn't be able to do that for 10 hours. <laughs> and also I thought they were weird because when they're standing under the lasers when Togar is standing under his it does like a close up of him. He's not even standing perfectly still. He's kind of like slightly moving around. And I'm like so how is that still working? Like should you not be immobilized for this to work? Dom DeLuise couldn't hold still and that was the best mistake <laughs> they got. That's what it is. I just feel like you got you should be in like chairs where you have you're like relaxed and your head is back and you can be totally still. but that makes too much sense. <laughs> so yeah you get her go taken out of their heads and get to go home and they don't remember a thing and
1: everything is back tomorrow. hey it was cute I like this one
0: yeah. Yeah, I liked it a lot. There were some funny little moments too that that I wrote down. So like when I was, I always have the subtitles on when I'm watching stuff. And for
1: some I'm reason I'm very jealous th- of your ability to have subtitles.
0: Why? Oh, cuz you have the DVDs. The DVDs
1: don't have subtitles. Oh, well, that's like a violation of stuff. Yeah. The DVDs <laughs> like do not have a subtitle option. So
0: tisk. tisk. Well, I in like, my subtitles It it changed the word airman to Kermit. Okay. Yeah.
1: Mr. The Frog got involved.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I was like, wait, why? Nobody said Kermit. (laughs) And then I was also questioning how, like, so when Sam was doing the EM pulse to turn Ergo off, they're in this closed off room and she turns off all these computers to do the EM pulse and then she turns them back on. And the computer, like, booted up instantly. And I'm like, this is the year of our Lord 2000. Computers do not boot up that quickly. <laughs> they do not instantly turn on. It is a process. It's magic. <laughs> it's, so, like, I just have so many questions. Like, you clearly only turned the monitor off before. You know what I mean? <laughs> the computer is just running in the background. Yeah, the computer is unharmed by the E-impulse, I guess. (laughs) Because it just doesn't make any sense. But yeah, so at one point Hammond had told them that they needed to take a week off to see... Oh, it was like after the E-impulse thing. And he was like, take a week off just to make sure that it's really done. And they're all like cringing and groaning. And I'm like, I don't understand what the problem is. Do you not all want some time off? I mean, I guess it's better for some people than others, but, like, Sam, she always has some kind of, you know, science thing to work on. Daniel always has some bookish Rocks thing to, to work with. on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, things to translate or whatever. I mean, I guess I could see, like, Jack and Teal'c being really bored, because if they're not allowed to leave the base, then they don't
1: necessarily have ready-made they hobbies. can Monopoly and watch Wizard of Oz together. <laughs> yeah
0: that's true like jack could like teach Tealk about different earth things yeah they could play games yeah i mean i understand it could get a bit
1: old for an entire week but i mean it's not really that I bad i have a week off right i get like upset when i have to do things over the weekend yep i'm like no this is my day off yep i don't want to do anything but that's never the case And I can't take that much time
0: off of work because nobody would cover for me and nothing would get done.
1: Capitalism. Yeah. Anything else about this episode? Nope. Oh, I caught the Wizard of Oz reference. Oh, yeah.
0: Ergo thinks that he's melting before the impulse goes off. I I
1: heard it. I'm like, I understood that reference.
0: I need to make sure to put that in the notes. I don't think I added it yet. Okay, so, a hundred days. They go to this planet that has fire rain, and they quickly realize that this is going to be a meteor shower of gigantic proportions. And so, I mean, obviously the gold used to be there because there's Naquita. And I was wondering why they would have left, and I'm kind of wondering if maybe... There was a year of the fire rain coming like it did this time and decimating so much of the area that they were mining that they thought it wasn't worth it. Maybe they didn't realize it only happened every 150 years and were like, it's not worth it. Like, (laughs) let's leave. Whereas if they had stuck around, then it wouldn't have happened for another 150
1: years. Did I miss a detail about why they were like about when they left? No, I don't think so. It was very vague. Maybe they saw the destruction the last time, and they didn't realize it was, like, so infrequent. Right. So it's not that they were getting out from around. Is that what you said?
0: Well, I said that maybe the gold were
1: mining there, and then one of these big meteor showers happened, and it made them leave. Okay, yeah, so that is what you, okay, I misunderstood. I thought you were, like, they're, like, oh, this could get bad, but, like, maybe they saw it get bad.
0: Yeah, yeah. But then didn't realize that it, maybe they thought it was going to always be bad. bad. Yeah, yeah. Could be. Like, who knows
1: how long they were actually there for?
0: Because they didn't really get into that. I didn't like this episode. Right.
1: It's not just because this lady whose name I won't deign to remember. um, Lara? (laughs) Lara? Lara. It's not just because when Jack's around, she's like, wait, we need to discuss the treaty. And I'm like, is that what the kids are calling it? (laughs) That's not it. It was so... Like, I, ask me how, on paper, this is a really interesting episode,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where he gets stranded for a hundred days on another world while they're working to bring him back, and in the meantime, he's, like, building a life there and falling in love there, or, you know, get, getting on the yeah. way to falling in love. Like, it should be interesting. Yeah. It wasn't. <laughs> I don't know why. It was just, like, a mental disease. I'm like, I am not, I don't care. Yeah. If the episode title was not 100 days, it would not have conveyed to me that 100 days had gone by. It didn't feel like it.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was just, like, the
1: three months later thing, and then he was wearing different clothes. Of which, like, he could have done at any point. I was astounded, however, that Daniel Jackson was separated from a person who was trapped and required their help to come back and actively devoted himself to the endeavor. Did he for 100 days. mean that was sam working on it not daniel i know but he was like involved i assume am i giving him too much credit did he just leave he might have i mean i don't think he left but it was sam Sam was was at the forefront sam was running it but the fact that daniel wasn't like are you sure there isn't a wall we can read was astounding but now that I think about it, he's barely there. So you know what this tracks? It's on brand. Daniel doesn't get out of sight, <laughs> out of mind where Daniel Jackson is concerned. Well, yeah, because I mean, with Sam's work, she's working
0: on the particle accelerator. That's not Daniel's wheelhouse. He doesn't know anything about like he can't actively help her build that. He doesn't know anything full stop. I mean, he could be an errand boy, like fetch her things, you know, <laughs> but he doesn't know anything about that level of science. I did look this up. The uh, so like particle beam weapons, and the military has looked into using them, like using the an accelerator as a weapon over many decades. But it's, it's essentially it hasn't been worked out well enough for it to actually be practical for use by the military. Yeah. But what was interesting was that it was like. Particle beam weapons and alternate names are, like, ray gun and ion cannons. And I was like, wait a minute. So the Tolans' weapons, which are ion cannons, are particle beam accelerators. And I never put that together before.
1: Yeah. Anytime somebody says ion cannon, I think of Star Wars. So I hadn't put that together either. Is that in Star Wars, too? Yeah. um, Naboo has an ion cannon, I think. Ooh somebody mm-hmm. has an eye on canon i feel like it's naboo it might be boba fett don't at me i don't care <laughs> i guess
0: i always associated that term with stargate and never realized that that was the same thing as particle acceleration you know yeah or even that ray guns would be the same technology on a smaller scale yeah, yeah. so yeah that's it just me like being like oh <laughs> like connecting dots <laughs> you're like science and i'm like isn't over yet <laughs> you're like I've seen all the
1: sci-fi I already knew that no I just didn't think to just didn't think to to look yeah. into it well
0: I guess because in the, like hearing it in sci-fi it was you know ray gun or laser gun ion cannon it sounds so sci-fi but calling it a particle beam weapon it was like oh that's real that's science that's what it does yeah yeah and so I guess I just always assumed that the ray guns and stuff were like sci-fi magic, essentially. Mm-hmm. And didn't realize that it was based on real science. The two go hand in hand. Yeah. As uh, What's-Her-Name-in-Thor says, science fiction often leads to science fact.
1: Yeah. Arthur C. Clarke said that. Oh, did he? That she's quoting him in Thor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I remember her better than Arthur C. Clarke. I think she said something like Arthur C. Clarke said like magic is just science. We don't understand yet.
0: And then that's the Arthur C.
1: Clarke quote. And then he calls it science fiction. He said precursor to science, science fact. So that part wasn't Arthur C. Clarke. It was. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. So other stories. Yeah. That aren't Stargate. This episode made me think of a Star Trek episode. Okay. Pulled up the reference. Like, that's all I could think. So it's from, hang on. I don't remember what season it was. It's from season five, episode 25. It's called The Inner Light. And what happens in this episode, essentially, is Captain Picard is, like, hit with a beam, an energy beam, and he winds up on this other planet. He is somebody else. And he's just, a like, a humanoid being on this world. Like, I think it's, like, pre-warp, like not Federation, he can't get home and he lives there for 40 years, like the last 40 years of his life on this planet. And he experiences like 40 years in real time while keenly aware that this is not where his life started and like about the enterprise and his life in the Federation. But like after a while he just kind of comes to accept that this is his new normal and he like builds a life for himself here. Like he's a wife, I think he has kids. He learns to play the flute. And then at the end of his life, He, like, comes to, and it's only been a few seconds for everybody else, but he's lived 40 years in this other world, Mm -hmm. and the whole idea was that this was a dying civilization that just needed somebody to remember them. Mm -hmm. They put all this in his head, and he, like, gets to keep the flute, and it's, like, a whole thing. But that's what this made me think of in that they wanted to take the opportunity to get, like, the team leader to, like, live a what-if kind of life. Mm -hmm. Like, what if you would just put it all aside and find love somewhere and live on a farm and just spend your days here? I'm like that's the same vibe yeah but much less interesting because it's like it's got the sciencey stuff that we usually get it's got the civilization stuff
0: mm-hmm.
1: that we get of like well we're trying to help you survive and the goals and it's got all those elements but I feel like it takes so long to get there yeah that it doesn't have enough time for either to feel satisfying hmm. I think you should have just focused on the Jack side of it. I think that would have made it a lot more interesting. And I'm not just saying that because I like Jack. Like, trust me, if it had been any of them, I would have said that that was the more interesting place to stay. Because what does it mean when you're a military person engaged in this ongoing mission and you cannot go back? Mm -hmm. As far as you know, you're just not going back.
0: Okay. So you mean like kind of speed up the beginning a little bit. So we would have had more time
1: with Jack on this planet. And not show the science side at all. Yeah. Because we know we're going to get them back. Yeah. That's fine. Like, and if you want to reuse the tech later, have them save Jack with this tech. And then the next time we're using it, be like, oh, when you were stuck with the Nakwadawi XYZ and this is how it works. Cool. Moving on. Like, there's no tension in watching Sam build this machine because we know she's going to get him out because we know they have six more episodes this season. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was just like, this is the like the Jack living a hundred full days on this planet is the part we don't usually get to see. Right. Like not the usual plot. So like, I kind of wish they would have lingered there a little longer.
0: Yeah. That being said, we did get a really interesting moment with Sam when she was just starting her work on the accelerator. She is pulling an all nighter and Janet comes to bring her a cup of coffee. And Janet's like, you miss him. And Sam says, yes. And Janet says, is that a problem? (laughs) And Sam says, no. And I just think that's a really interesting moment because we know that they also hang out outside of work. So, you know, they probably talk about personal stuff. And so this is like, because only a couple episodes ago, we had the alternate dimension episode where the alternate Sam had a really steamy kiss with Jack. And even though Janet didn't see that personally, I'm sure she heard about it. Oh, I'm sure she did. (laughs) And so I think it's kind of like, I feel like for Sam, seeing him kiss the other Sam was her realizing her own feelings for the first time, like consciously thinking about her own feelings for the first time. And then we get this situation where he is stranded on another planet and janet is putting two and two together of oh hey i think they might like each other and sam spends three months in agony not knowing if she's going to ever see him again having just acknowledged what he means to her and then they finally do get him back and those feelings of elation and getting him back are cut short because she realizes that he's had a romantic relationship with lara during those three months so instead of getting a happy reunion with him and you know getting to go back home with him hoping that something might develop in the future she is suddenly burdened with the knowledge that there's someone else for him
1: like there's a potential for someone else i love this very much this is the kind of angst i look for in the story (laughs) yeah I just feel like, besides the conversation with Janet and like the little bit of realization and like our own extrapolation, mm-hmm. the show doesn't really go there, yeah, and I wish it would,
0: yeah, I agree. The show doesn't give
1: us very much. it's very bare bones, yeah, in terms like, of like emotional development. It's like, aren't you interested in the particle beams? and I'm like, like no, not really <laughs> not not given the choice, like
0: yeah. The emotional stuff is more interesting. Yeah. 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 And as so I was looking this up on Ao3, and there are a few people who have written about Lara on Ao3. A few of them were pretty much just talking about how Sam was miserable. And one of them was really interesting. It was like Sam had her own 100 days after Jack came back of being sad, thinking that he was still in love with Lara, and then she kind of gets over it. So I thought because that was interesting. One. yeah and then there's one where so at the end of the episode Jack manages to go back home but it was pretty clear that he and Lara had spent the night together once and she's kind of holding her stomach in a weird way when he leaves (laughs) does this come back? (laughs) no it's never addressed again which means that of course people are bringing it up on AO3 and the fanfic and so there was one person who said, "Okay, she didn't get pregnant that time, but there was this ongoing treaty, and she asked to pass a message along to Jack that she wants to try again, like even if he's not gonna come and like be there with her that she still wants a baby and she wants him to be the father.
1: My <laughs> like, God. was so
0: dramatic <laughs> and oh then my there, God. there is one where she does have a baby, but Falls in love with somebody else from her own planet, who is going to take the baby as their son, so that Jack doesn't have to like come and be there with her. Mm-hmm. Um, I just read all the shorter. I read all the ones that were like three thousand words or less. There were a couple that were like twenty thousand words, and I'm like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> but <laughs> so yeah, there's there's several things that are addressing this. That was interesting because I mean it's very open ended. Like she's obviously hoping for a child, but. Does she actually get pregnant from their one night together? I don't know. Mm. It never comes up again. So, I mean, I'm assuming because it doesn't come up again that she doesn't get pregnant.
1: Yeah. Yeah, probably no. not. Maybe they were like thinking to tease that in, like just in case they wanted to revisit it, and then they just never did.
0: Yeah. Maybe they realized that Lara didn't like test well with the audience. Like, oh, with the, like...
1: the rabbit Sam Jack Shippers. Sorry. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No chance. No chance of that happening.
1: My bad i'm not actually
0: sorry yeah what was interesting to me though i it's like it's hard to decide whether or not lara was being purposefully manipulative it was well because at first they're you know just friends and it when it gets to be close to his hundred days then she you know finally kisses him for the first time And makes it clear about her intentions that she wants a future with him. And, you know, she is going to go throw his clothes away so that he's not reminded of home. And all this kind of stuff. So it's like, is that being manipulative so that he'll forget about his past? Or is that just taking a chance on an opportunity? You know? Yeah. Yeah my inclination is
1: she's just taking her chance
0: yeah i mean obviously it becomes more manipulative when she hears voices on the radio and doesn't immediately tell them yes but i think initially yeah and like as far as jack willing to go along with it i mean i feel like on the one hand i get it and it's like he thought that he was going to be stuck there forever so he might as well develop a romance with somebody but on the other hand he knows that even if they can't get to him immediately they could eventually find an ally who's willing to send a ship and pick him up you know so even if it took one to two
1: years they would have gotten him back
0: yeah so it's interesting that he decided to go along with it when it had only been three months.
1: Yeah. See, that's why we needed to spend more time with Jack. Yeah. Like, what liked- makes you decide to give up on, on the other options and just go along with it? You don't know. Yeah. Like, show us.
0: Yeah, I feel like we should have seen more scenes of him trying to dig around the Stargate, trying to use his radio, you know.
1: Yeah. Come or on. even, like...
0: Building, like, a little memorial that he goes to talk to as if they're his friends, you know, or something like that. That's so sad! <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, a memorial to his past life kind of thing. Yeah. Just to show that he's processing those emotions. I was wondering, with the whole meteor shower every 150 years thing, if the reason these people are still relatively primitive is because the village keeps getting half wiped out every 150 years. That would be my assumption. And it's weird that there's not more, like, cultural stories about it, because Lara says that there hasn't been a meteor shower like that within her generation or her father's generation, but there definitely would have been for her grandfather's, and yet her grandfather never talked about it. Like, oh, yeah, back when I was a kid, like... There was fire rain that wiped out half the village, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, maybe the village hadn't developed in the same way. So, but then it still is strange that they wouldn't have passed that on. Yeah, I think this is another one of those things where we're thinking about it more than the writers did. Probably.
0: But yeah, I did think like this. This is a really good show of Teal'c's friendship for with Jack because mm-hmm. he was willing to risk his life to go dig the stargate out of this hole and get jack
1: back to earth and daniel was willing to risk nothing at all (laughs) he was there for moral support there we go (laughs) daniel's like i'm good with things
0: yeah so until is there digging and jack figures out that he's there and he goes to help dig teal out and lair gives him this look and it's like obviously like this mutual look of them both knowing that jack is going to leave But, like, I felt like she was trying to make him feel guilty about it. I'm like, don't do that. You know that this isn't his life. Yeah. I did think your notes were funny because as soon as it was evident that there was some kind of romance happening between Lara and Jack, your comments suddenly became no and absolutely no. And then no
1: further comments. I just blacked out with the rage. (laughs)
0: There was this, the one scene kind of towards the end where I guess like Jack waking up after their night together maybe or I'm not sure. Anyway, she goes she walks through the room and we only see her feet and she stops in front of a bucket and then we hear some water splashing around and for a second, I thought that she was peeing into the bucket in front of him.
1: Me too! And I thought I was being ridiculous. (laughs) I was
0: like, is she peeing in a bucket five feet away from Jack. I'm like, damn, she's really comfortable. (laughs) And then it wasn't. She was just washing her face.
1: (laughs) I had the exact same thought.
0: Okay, they shouldn't have put that bucket there. Because That was very confusing. (laughs) Yeah, I had the same thought. I'm glad I'm not (laughs) alone. No, no, no. I was also wondering, so Daniel was calling... The meteors, falling stars, but I've always called them shooting stars. So I wonder if that's a regional thing. What did he call them?
1: Falling stars. I've heard both. Okay. But shooting stars more commonly, to me anyway. Maybe I should look that up and
0: see if that's a regional thing. I mean, he's Canadian, right? So I thought maybe it might be a Canadian thing.
1: I feel like we say shooting stars here.
0: Huh. okay. Maybe Daniel's just weird. Any other final thoughts about this episode? No. No more anger to get out? You got it all? Nah, I'm done. (laughs) Did you find anything problematic in these two episodes?
1: No, not really. Yeah,
0: I think they were okay. I mean, Lara had a brief moment of intentional manipulation, but then she changed her mind.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's more a character thing than, like, a harmful thing. Right, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah so I think they would hold up by today's standards okay alright so next week we'll be talking about episodes 18 and 19 shades of grey and new ground and you're welcome to watch along with us are you ready for your next quote uh huh I haven't been acting like myself since I met you now I'm acting like myself
1: okay I'm gonna say it's Daniel talking to the new hot girl of the week <laughs> um something's gone wrong with them they weren't acting like themselves but now he needs her to trust them so he says this oh okay that's my theory
0: interesting all right we'll find out next week that's it for today if you enjoy listening to our podcast we would love for you to throw us a five star wherever you can if you want to talk to us about stargate you can find us on our podcast twitter and tumblr page at wormhole waffles you can find me on twitter and tumblr at chelsea Fairless. ours how about you
1: you can find me on Twitter at Arzo I'm at Arzo T2 everywhere else. So Instagram, Tumblr, and Hive. I keep saying Hive as if I use it. I don't.
0: I haven't logged to that in months.
1: <laughs> Forever. As a network, we are on Twitter at Geeky underscore Waffle. We are The Geeky Waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Tumblr. We are on YouTube at The Geeky Waffle. We are at TheGeekyWaffle.com and Patreon.com slash TheGeekyWaffle. Thanks for
0: joining us today. And we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon.